What's up, everybody? You're tuned into the Joe Man Show on KUHS Denver, currently the number one trending show here at KUHS. And tonight we're going to be talking with Betty Field. Uh, she's a woman running for Congress in Congressional District 5 in Colorado Springs. Thank you for joining us, Betty. Well, thank you for having me. It's an absolute pleasure. Now, before we dive into uh, your politics and your platform and stuff like that, I did want to talk about some uh, some current breaking news Seismologists and other scientists have confirmed that North Korea's latest nuclear test did in fact happen and was seven times more powerful than the bomb dropped on Hiroshima, confirming their announcement of the successful testing of a hydrogen bomb. So not only do they actually have nukes, but they have one of the most powerful nukes there is, as well as ICBMs. They just flew a missile over the southern tip of Japan a few days ago. This isn't hearsay. Uh, this isn't a joke anymore. We are on the verge of nuclear war. We can no longer afford to pretend that North Korea's weapons are props or that Kim Jong-un is merely showboating. He is a delusional dictator and genuinely believes North Korea is the most powerful nation in the world and will kill as many people as he can in an attempt to prove it. I sure am proud of the human race for getting to a place where millions of lives depend on the actions of Donald Trump and Kim Jong-un. Frightening times are these... <laughs> Idiocracy is a lot less amusing with weapons of mass destruction on the table. So, yeah. Um, sleep well tonight. A <laughs> uh, man died after running into the flames during the ceremonial burning of the man at the Burning Man Festival yesterday. After being airlifted to a nearby burn treatment center, tens of thousands of people witnessed Black Rock City firefighters pull the man from the blistering hot bonfire at 10.30 p.m. last night. And uh, just a little factoid, losing as little as 25% of your skin to burn injury can be fatal. Um, most of my friends, most of my friends are at Burning Man this year, and, uh, and I, I dread the thought of all of them having to witness that. So it's, uh, it's truly sad, and I feel for them. I feel for that man's family. It's, uh, it's really unfortunate. Yeah, so, that, so that's some of the stuff that's going on right now. Now we're going to turn it over to, we're going to shift the focus to my guest, Betty Field, running in District 5 in Colorado Springs for a congressional position. Thank you again for joining us, Betty. Thank you. Yeah, it's, it's a pleasure to have you here. So let's start off by uh, having you tell us a little bit about yourself. I, uh, I went on your website, which is BettyFieldListens.com. Yes. Yep, that's correct. All right. And uh, I know you've volunteered. You've done a lot of different social work. I have my notes here, but I'll go ahead and let you uh, tell listeners in your own words a little bit about yourself. Sure. Thank you. Well, I grew up in a very small rural community in North Dakota. And um, after um, graduating high school and things, we got married and spent 22 years in South Dakota. It's where I raised my family. And while living in South Dakota, I worked um, for a few different um, nonprofit organizations doing a lot of human services type work. Mm -hmm. um, I was a crisis intervention specialist with Volunteers of America. And while there, um, worked with a lot of young single um, moms who were also battling addiction issues and things like that. And there were so many needs that they had that just weren't being met by current programs or other services. So mm -hmm. I developed a brand new program, which is still going in Rapid City, South Dakota, called Mommy's Closet. I'm real proud of that. Um, also, while in South Dakota, I was the executive director of an LGBT center. And at that time, I was one of only three heterosexual women in the country to hold the director position. 
So uh, that was an interesting time. It was during the repeal of Don't Ask, Don't Tell. Oh, wow. So uh, there was a lot going on. Mm-hmm. Um, but because of the work I did with the LGBT Center, I was invited to the Obama White House to take part in a conference on LGBT issues in rural America. Mm. So that was an amazing experience as well. Yeah, when I was reading about that, I was like, well, it's a no-brainer that that was the Obama White House. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And that kind of goes without saying. Yeah. But I have two children. Um, my daughter is 25. My son is 27. Um, I am divorced, so I'm, I'm single again. <laughs> but they, I'm telling you that this campaign has kept me incredibly busy. I have learned so much, and it's it's interesting to to find what an amazing fit um, a human services background has in politics. Oh, absolutely! And it's just not been there mm-hmm. before. I mean, we've we elect lawyers, we elect. Doctors, you know, um, professional politicians, mm-hmm. and that's kind of gotten us where we are. Yeah. So put I, a little humanity back in politics. Absolutely, I am all for not only people who um, who care about human rights, but women getting in politics because mm-hmm. what your politicians are supposed to be is a representative of you, the people, and so to just have a bunch of. Um, you know, middle-aged white men is not really mm-hmm. a very accurate representation of America, and uh, and so I, I fully support your campaign and uh, the mommy mommy's closet thing. According to your website, mm-hmm. uh, you've served thirteen thousand people via that program. Yes, while while I was you know um, directing that program, it is way more than that now. Nice, yeah. that's awesome. Yes, that's great to hear. Mm-hmm. So you provided uh, cribs, books, clothing. GED testing and job training to mothers in need. Yes. And, you know, a lot of people are unaware that things like um, diapers, laundry detergent, um, things like that are not covered by food stamps or by WIC. But if social services comes into a home and sees that a child is not clean, um, is, does not have diapers, things like that, a, a family can lose their child because of those issues. And being poor does not make you a bad parent. Absolutely. So Mommy's Closet worked really hard at, at addressing those gaps and filling those gaps for those families. That's amazing. Uh, that's, that's definitely an, an admirable, admirable accomplishment. Um, I write on your website that you are also an advocate for veterans, and uh, you fought a lot of the issues with the Department of Veterans Affairs, which is yes. awesome. I just recently had a guest on my show by the name of Jenny Deluzio, who's an Iraq combat veteran and a progressive who has yes. had lots of issues with the VA and VA hospitals and um, and just how, how poorly run they are and, and issues they've had in the past with um, hygiene and disease and unacceptable wait times you know, ranging from weeks to months where people, there's actually been several cases of people dying just from waiting for treatment from the the Department of Veterans Affairs. Yes. So, uh, yeah, it's great that you do that as well. And a big part of that is because your your former husband got cancer and dealt with other effects from Agent Orange from serving in Vietnam. That's correct. And now he, you know, we were both very fortunate in that he received his medical treatment at Fort Meade, which is in Sturgis, South Dakota. 
that is surprisingly a very small town to have one of the highest ranked VAs in the country. Um, so again, we were very fortunate mm-hmm. to um, you know get his care taken care of there. Yeah, but there was still the bureaucracy that went with getting his benefits. Mm-hmm. And um, in early 2000, he was given three to six months to live. Wow! And the estimated time to receive his benefits was a hundred and tw- what? No, pardon me. It would have been a little over a year like 18 months to get his full benefits, all of that set up. So so according to their diagnosis, he wouldn't have even been alive for those benefits. That's correct. It's ridiculous. That's correct. But he is alive and well from what I understand. Yes. I tell you, um, my ex-husband, his name is Rex, is an amazing man. Um, We're still best of friends. Thankfully, cancer did not take his life. Regrettably, it did take our marriage. But um, we are still excellent friends and and he is one of my go-to people when i have political questions and military (laughs) questions so it's kind of nice to have that ace in the hole yeah that's the great thing about diving into any position really is that it's a nonstop learning experience and i I can only imagine actually running for a position in congress just how much constant research you're having to do all the time it's constant learning experience um which i guess brings us to another question uh what's it like being are you running as a Democrat, by the way? I am. Okay. Mm-hmm. What, what's it like being a Democrat and from, from what I understand, a, a progressive-leaning um, person in a conservative part of Colorado, such as Colorado Springs? You know, there are um, lots of interesting challenges yeah. running as a Democrat, being a progressive in that area. Mm. But for me, it's not, nothing really new. Mm-hmm. Um, North Dakota – yeah. Very conservative. Yeah. South Dakota, very conservative. So um, I'm I'm very accustomed to that fight. It's it's not unfamiliar. It's, yeah. No, no, no. Um, I don't think there are any names I can be called anymore that would surprise me. <laughs> but um, I think we are in a really unique place in mm. District 5 right now. Um, in El Paso County alone, in the last year, we have had... You know, like 100,000 um, people moved to El Paso County. Um, we can thank in large part uh, the legalization of recreational marijuana mm-hmm. for the influx in population statewide. Yep. But when we look at that influx of population, the majority of those folks that are coming here are more progressive. Mm-hmm. So while District 5 has consistently been one of the reddest districts in the country, I really don't think that's true anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, we, have, we have a different way of looking at things now, and that's really evident by what happened in the Colorado Springs City Council election, mm-hmm. where we had what was a very conservative council at this last election, um, put three folks on, on that council who are definitely more progressive. Mm-hmm. And in light of, of the political landscape right now, even people who um, would consider themselves to be Republican mm-hmm. are looking at our current administration and, um, in fact, our, our, even our local representatives, senators, um, Gardner, Lamborn, and saying, you know, this isn't what Republican means to me. Mm-hmm. So while I, I'm running on the Democratic ticket, 
I really don't want to be about one party yeah. against the other. Yeah. We're all people. We'll, we are all Americans. My slogan is Betty Field listens mm-hmm. because there is always two sides to every story. Absolutely. And never just one way of doing things. And, and we've become so divided that I think people have forgotten, I mean, just, just to kind of go off of what you were saying, that you can be a liberal conservative or that you can be you know, a liberal Republican. You don't, you don't have to identify as one thing when it comes to every single set of issues. You can have your own identity that uh, that has elements of both. Like, you know, I've t- I've taken all those random surveys on Facebook and stuff like that, and I always end up being like seventy three percent liberal or whatever. But it's, <laughs> yeah. you know, we're, we're comprised of many different ideologies and philosophies. Absolutely, absolutely. And you know, regrettably, when you're running for office, um, yes, we have the Libertarian Party, the Green Party, things like that. But if if you are serious about seeking the nomination, if you're serious about making it to D.C. to represent the district, you really need to affiliate yourself with one of the other, one or the other of the two major parties. Mm-hmm. Um, I would honestly hope that that's not always the case. Yeah. Because as you said, there are the, – the gray area mm-hmm. in there is, is huge. And right not, now – Not well represented. No, and it's yeah. not represented well at all. And we concentrate on the the divide, especially now, between our conservative and our our liberal groups. Mm. But, you know, when I look at, yeah, that's a huge divide, instead of looking at that as a barrier, that means there's a whole lot of middle in there. Oh, yeah. And if we take the time to listen to each other, we can find that middle. Definitely. Definitely. I completely agree. <laughs> uh, so you keep using this word district, District 5, mm-hmm. which brings up something that has been weighing on me, uh, the drawing of districts, gerrymandering, uh, yeah. which is to anybody who's familiar realizes that it's a major issue in our political spectrum. And the people aren't, that aren't aware, gerrymandering is basically the process of redrawing districts according to party. So say you have a district that is, a district that is two-thirds blue and only one-third red. They can redraw those district lines to favor the red even if there's less of them. And, and it's a big problem on both sides uh, with both mm-hmm. parties. Yes. It's, uh, it's been taken advantage of to, uh, to favor and almost – certainly almost inevitably elect elect particular candidates and um what what's what's it like being in in the middle of that like in the thick of it what's what's your position on that what would you like to see change about that you know it's that is something that is definitely you know and it's some something that's been talked about a lot yeah. in the Colorado Springs area um El Paso County but district 5 is made up of El Paso County Teller County Chafee County Fremont County and Park County. Mm. And it's a huge district when mm. you compare to, you know, when you look at the Denver area, for example. Um, one city has, you know, is represented in, in more than one district. Mm. And here we're looking at five very large counties. And, um, you know, part of, generally speaking, mm. larger cities tend to be... Um, more progressive. Yeah. And, you know, so when you're looking at the, the smaller communities in the smaller um, counties, things mm-hmm. like that, you do run into um, a more conservative mm-hmm. group. 
And so District 5 is interesting in that we've got Colorado Springs and lots and lots of rural. Yeah. However, you know, as as we look at the setting up of that district, the way I look at it is I think District 5 is so incredibly diverse for so many reasons. One, Colorado Springs is a military town. <laughs> yeah. And so when you bring uh, in Cheyenne yeah, Mountains down there, yes. and, uh, the Air Force Academy and yep. Yep. NORAD, yep. Peterson, Shriver, yeah. So when you look at the fact that that the military brings in a diverse population. Yes. When you look at the growth of population in general in our district and add to that the frustration, fear, outright anger mm-hmm. over um, our representation, both in Washington and on more local levels right mm-hmm. now, District 5 is not what it was two years ago. Mm-hmm. And we are certainly hoping that um, it will be more progressive, more inclusive, more tolerant mm-hmm. in 2018. Yeah, and that goes back to what you were saying about there kind of being a progressive shift taking place, especially with uh, recreational marijuana being legal and um, and the way that that's affecting people moving here. Our, our population has in- increased by – Hundreds of thousands since right. uh, 2011, and that's definitely going to have an impact on uh, on on politics mm-hmm. when you have people of a, of a different persuasion coming here in droves like that. Um, which I mean, some people are for, some people are against, but ultimately, I think if you're for states' rights, uh, which a lot of conservatives are, then you should be for. And you don't necessarily have to like marijuana, but you should be for the legalization of it because it was a state-determined thing. Absolutely. We determined that ourselves. That's not the federal government mm-hmm. that, that's imposing that. That's us. Right. So um, I think that's something that, that toes party lines for that reason. Mm-hmm. I agree. All right. So let's get into your positions on things, your your stances on the issues. Okay. Um, and we'll start with health care. I know that you think According to your website, healthcare is a basic human right. Yes. Um, we were talking about this a bit in the lobby of the studio here. Uh, I, I've kind of always advocated for a single payer healthcare system. Mm-hmm. I was a, uh, I, I caucused for Bernie Sanders and uh, and aligned myself with a lot of his positions on healthcare and education. Um, but I think there's this misunderstanding of what that would look like. Uh, a lot of people see it as a Robin Hood tax system where you're just taking from the rich and giving to the poor. But in the 21st century, when we're talking 21st century economics, it's a lot more complicated than that because I think a lot of people don't really understand just how obscenely wealthy a lot of the uh, wealthy elite are in this country and just how wide income equality really is and what taxing the wealthy would look like. And something that you mentioned uh, was that Donald Trump actually pays lower taxes than the average American. Yes. His, which his is tax rate is lower his, is than, than mine is, than yours is, than most hardworking Americans is. Yeah. Which is which is crazy to me because it's, he's he's a billionaire, right? A billionaire, mm-hmm. and I think you know people hear that word they don't really think about that in terms of how many zeros that is exactly <laughs> in your bank account exactly. <laughs> and then when you have someone like our president come out and say that not paying taxes makes him smart, <laughs> he said that. Yes. Oh man, he did. He did. Um, quite frankly, paying my taxes 
is my patriotic duty. Yeah, it's your contribution. It's it why is absolutely. I'm proud to be able to yeah. pay taxes. And I've had this conversation with a lot of people. Um, again, we're not talking about pre-industrial age America. We're not talking mm-hmm. about the mid-1800s. We're talking about the 21st century where in order for you to have the luxuries that you do have as a modern human being, you, you, your infrastructure, your education, your your gas stations and your roads and your highways and your parks and everything – it's your duty as an American citizen to to pay into that in order to be able to take advantage of those luxuries. And that's why we have taxes. That's why we have a federal government. Like there's this divide where people are like, oh, well, we shouldn't have a federal government at all. That doesn't work with a populace as large and as advanced technologically and socially as we are now. It just doesn't work. Um, so that's another thing that I don't think should be a party issue. I think I just think that's a, an issue of – common sense. But the issue that people have, I think, is how much they pay and how much they should be paying, which brings us back to that income equality thing. There are people on the bottom paying more than they should, and there are people on the top paying nowhere near as much as they should. Exactly. Um, and what we were talking about in the lobby again was that, that you, want it, you want to make a distinction between your platform, which is Medicare for all, mm-hmm. and uh, and something like a single payer healthcare system. So, why don't you t- tell us a little bit more about that than what Medicare for all would look like? Absolutely. One of the reasons that I um, support and advocate the Medicare for all platform mm. is that we already have that foundation laid. Mm. It is not a new program. I mean, it was part of the New Deal. With President Roosevelt. Mm-hmm. So it has a tried and true track record. Yes, there are still hiccups. There always are. Yeah. Um, it is serving a much larger population than it was you know, designed for mm-hmm. way back then. Mm-hmm. But because we have that foundation already laid, it wouldn't be reinventing the wheel to the same degree that going to, say, um, a single-payer system similar yeah. to other countries, that kind of thing. So what would, what would happen is we would take that Medicare for all, and this is not something that happens overnight. Mm-hmm. We would increase the, the um, parameters of who that Medicare will cover. Mm-hmm. And like, again, like ex- extending the extensions <laughs> that already exist. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And it's not something that's going to happen overnight. And I understand that there's a lot of, you know, financial you know, t- tax regulations and mm-hmm. all of that kind of thing that'll need to be really researched mm-hmm. before those changes can be made. But it would be harder to do that with a single payer oh, yes. versus a Medicare for all because yes. with a single payer, you'd have to change not only the, uh, the, the taxes. There would be a, a large element of tax reform that would have to happen with that. But you'd also have to change some things that are definitely issues in this country but, again, not things that could be changed overnight like uh, keeping advertising costs to a minimum. And, uh, and that would mean a lot less money spent on lobbying of, uh, of technologies and medications mm-hmm. and things of that nature, which is an extremely dif- difficult feat to accomplish yes. in, in the United States because so much is just so profit-driven. And then you uh, 
and yeah, I mean, you 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 have to take those things into account and basically re, reform the way that taxes are done and the way that uh, that these companies profit. So Medicare for all definitely makes sense because you're yep. just taking extensions that already exist for lower income Americans that can't inf- afford traditional insurance policies and just expanding that to cover everybody. Exactly, and that I mean that. Definitely seems like a no-brainer the way you put it. <laughs> well, and, you know, we've already got um, you know, e- even developing the vocabulary and the verbiage around a new system. Everybody gets mm-hmm. caught up in it, and it, it it's we want to make sure that we understand. Mm-hmm. With Medicare for All, that is already established as well. Mm-hmm. Now, in the interim between today and the, the full implementation of Medicare for All, mm-hmm. we have got to do something to firm up and 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 get the ACA working. Mm-hmm. Um, there are issues with the Affordable Care Act. Mm-hmm. Um, President Obama admitted that yeah. and made several attempts to try to address those issues. Mm-hmm. Now we have a president who is like, let it implode. Mm-hmm. What he doesn't realize, or maybe he just doesn't care. Mm-hmm. That if that happens, millions of Americans will die yep. or become very ill, miss work. Flat out die. Mi- yeah. yeah. I mean, all of it. If, if all you're interested in is the money, let's I say you're Donald Trump, yeah. all you're interested in is the money. If we don't have ex- access to good health care, mm. you don't show up for work. I don't show up for work. We're all at home sick. Mm. Donald Trump's driver doesn't show up for work. It has you know, a drastic impact it does. on the economy. Yeah. It absolutely does. We cannot look- have a healthy economy if we do not have a healthy workforce. Exactly. You just said exa- – you took the words right out of my mouth. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> a, a healthy, educated, prosperous mm-hmm. society has – Time and time and time again, you will not find an example of this that does not ring ring true. That yep. when your when your populace is healthy and and educated, and uh, you know that opens up more opportunities for for work placement, and you're more pros- prosperous, and your economy is better off. And Absolutely, it's, and it's that simple. You don't take care of people, you're going to feel the economic effects mm-hmm. of that. Yep. Um, yeah, and fifty nine percent of physicians support. Uh, reforming the healthcare system into something like a single player, single payer, or in this case, Medicare for all, which, um, something I hadn't really considered before. Mm -hmm. It's a pretty, pretty good platform. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah. I spent an awful lot of time. I have, um, a cousin who lives in Canada and he is a doctor. So I spent quite a bit of time at the family reunion this summer (laughs) visiting with him about, Mm -hmm. okay, tell me about how the, how all of this works and what's your, what are your thoughts? And um, you know, he grew up in this country, and he's just shocked mm. at um, you know how dug in we have our heels mm. on on the healthcare issue. It's it's, a shame. it's really strange because basically every other developed nation in the world, in, including our northern neighbors, Canada, have uh, have some form of universal healthcare, yep. and uh, and it has not posed really the economic issues that we're so afraid of it posing. Um, you know, we're afraid that it's going to be just this astronomically expensive thing that's not going to be sustainable. But when you when you when you reform things so that that one percent that could that could end world hunger with their checkbooks are paying their their dues, then uh, then you don't it offsets those costs. You don't really have to worry about it, and then and then it just kind of works out. 
Um, so yeah, Medicare for all, healthcare. Yes. All right, and then uh, this is pretty closely tied to that um, education. It's kind of a similar topic, similar issue. There's a lot of uh, ec- economic issues with people that surround this concept of free education. Um, there are a lot of developed nations in the world that have free education. Uh, some examples are Norway, Finland, Sweden, Germany, Slovenia, France. Uh, Finland uh, is actually the sixth smartest country in the world. Canada is the tenth. And uh, we are floating down at 28th below Norway, Spain, Italy, Australia, and a ton of others. And um, yeah, it's kind of that same idea of the, the extremely wealthy paying their dues and that offsets a lot of the costs of, uh, of tuition. And then again, you have that, what you were saying where not only if you're healthy, but you're more educated, then there's more job opportunities and you have a bolstered economy and a bolstered workforce. Absolutely. And one of the things that I am advocating is that with your high school diploma, when you graduate from high school, I want to see every young person graduate high school with one of two things to add to that high school diploma. Either a certification in one of the trade industries, Mm -hmm. whether it be a certified nurse's assistant, a mechanic, um, culinary arts, Mm -hmm. welding, whatever. Because we have gotten so ingrained that every young person has to go to college. Mm -hmm. Well... No, they don't. It's not really so much the reality. They, I, no. I, yeah. And that, that is being fed to us mm-hmm. by the people that are making millions of dollars off exactly. of our student loans, yep. which is a whole other issue. <laughs> so they're the ones but, driving the narrative. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and then we can't find um, qualified people to fix our cars. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know if you eat out a lot, but man, we need some really good chefs out there too. <laughs> I, don't, I don't eat out as much as I used to because uh, – my uh, my girlfriend has a really good job now, and uh, and she's like, you're going to have to figure out how to do something other than just microwave stuff. And so I was like, okay, I guess I'll learn how to cook, and now I'm actually a really good cook. Oh, man. <laughs> but, Jealous. Uh, but, Jealous. Uh, but, but, you know, looking at either getting that certification in a trade field yep. or the associate's degree or two years mm-hmm. of, of um, your college, you're mm-hmm. getting your – Required your basics, your gen eds mm-hmm. taken care of. And people are like, okay, how are we going to pay for that? Mm-hmm. Look, we already have the system in place. It's already there. Yeah. We have so many students who I, I visited with young ma- one young man who's 19 who dropped out of high school because he was bored. <laughs> you know, we have we, – we keep developing – our our legislation, whether it's education or other other um, issues, without talking to the people who are actually the consumer, yeah, of, of the service, yeah. So um, I'm actually holding an education forum in the springs, where I'm inviting different um, educators from you know whether it be special education. I've got a couple of college professors, high school administrators, elementary school teachers. Um, paraprofessionals, parents, and the students mm-hmm. to find out what what works in education, what's not working. Yeah, and this whole voucher thing is <laughs> terrifying. And you know, it just it just dawned on me that everybody's talking about this issue of cost. 
those costs aren't being paid for to begin with. They're just taking <gasps> on the form of debt. Yes. <laughs> it's just it's just ending up with mm-hmm. some collection agency yes. somewhere. It's not getting paid off in no. most cases. It's just adding to our national debt, which uh, which which reflects badly on us economically as a country. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> so, you know, if we can arm our 18 and 19-year-olds, 17, 17 to 19, with the tools they need when they first, you know, when they just graduate high school, that they can be self-sufficient, contributing, healthy, mm-hmm. educated members of our communities. You know, even if, you know, you've got a kid who leaves high school with her welding mm-hmm. certif- certificate. Mm-hmm. And does that for four or five years and goes, you know, I really do want to go on and, and, you know, get my college degree. Then she can. And she's skilled and she will have a a higher probability of being Uh, able to pay for it. Well, and I don't know about you, but at 18 years old, when I first went to college. Oh, I couldn't do it. I was way too young. I didn't know what I wanted to do. I, yeah, didn't, I didn't even know who I was yet. I, no. And, but I, I sure knew, oh, my gosh, I sure and, and, um, you know, got myself into quite a bit of debt. Yeah, yeah, exactly. For not knowing what I was you know, wanting to do. And I don't, I don't know if a lot of people maybe aren't aware, but certification programs are not only useful, but it's a far shorter amount of time and yes. it's far less expensive. Yes. I'm, 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 I'm a college student myself, but, uh, but before that, I – got my certification in audio engineering via the Colorado Sound Recording Studios, which is an established studio here that's worked with like Primus and done a lot of the live Red Rock shows and stuff like that. And the the skills that I learned from that program that was I think the I think the whole thing was seven grand total. Wow. Invaluable. Invaluable yep. skills that have helped sustain me while I've explored other avenues of education. Mm-hmm. You know? And uh, basically with, that same kind of scenario. Yes. Yeah. And let's say you you did that and got into the workforce and you decided that, you know, I really don't like sitting here um, interviewing Mm. politicians. (laughs) You know, um, if I wake up and I'm like, I can't stand this anymore. I can't do this anymore. (laughs) You are not hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt. Yeah. Yeah. And married to that career. Mm -hmm. It gives you the opportunity to go, I'm going to give that a shot. Yeah. But like you said, it equips our young people with the tools they need to move out of mom and dad's basement mm. and start living their own lives. Yep. And as a parent, we raise our children to be independent adults. Mm-hmm. Our systems are set up to produce um, perpetual children. Yep. And that's a scary place to be. Yeah. Perpetual children. Whew. Yeah. That's a doozy of a statement. <laughs> oh, I'll get some heat from that, I'm sure. Of it. <laughs> All right. Uh, we're going to take a quick com- uh, musical break just to uh, recoup. I'm parched. I need to get some water in me. <laughs> so I'm going to drop in uh, a tune of mine. This is a remix I did a while back that I got to play in, uh, in Orlando, one of the two times I went and DJed there. This is Nexus's Brain Candy, the Joe Man remix, here on KUHS Denver. Enjoy.
right. What's up, everybody? You're tuned into the Joe Man Show here on KUHS Denver. I'm your host, Joe Man. Shout out to my sponsor, Bluebird Botanicals. It was just announced that they made the uh, Forbes top five CBD companies in the nation list. So big congrats to them. They're a fantastic CBD and hemp extract company located here in Colorado. So be sure to check them out at... uh, Bluebird Botanicals. We are here with Betty Field, who is running for the congressional position uh, in District 5 of Colorado Springs, trying to uh, dethrone the current congressman, congresswoman, I can't remember. Congressman Doug okay. Lamborn. Lamborn. Okay. And uh, we've talked about your stance on a lot of different issues. We've talked a little bit about you. We talked about health care. We talked about education. So let's uh, let's keep, keep that ball rolling and let's get into your stance on the environment and environmental issues. Absolutely. You know, one of the things that um, is brought up a lot here in Colorado is fracking. Mm. And, um, you know, to be honest, I wasn't really informed about the the (laughs) many, many, many issues surrounding fracking until, um, you know, I started getting more involved politically. Mm. And I got a phone call from my sister who lives in Oklahoma not too long ago. And I, I'm used to getting the phone calls or the text messages that they're preparing for another tornado or something. Mm-hmm. You know, that's Tornado Alley. <clears throat> but she called me at six something in the morning to tell me that they had an earthquake. Yep. And I'm like, you had a what? Places that have never seen earthquakes before are, are seeing, seeing earthquakes. Record numbers oh. of earthquakes in the wake of, uh, of so-called natural fracking um and you know there's also the issue of the chemicals that are yes. planted directly into the soil and into the bedrock mm-hmm. during the fracking process which um could seep into water supply will will kill uh will kill plants and uh, and harm animals in the areas and and you know there's been all this again lobbying it always comes down to lobbying you'll hear the advertisements more frequently on the radio about how great fracking is for our economy, but um, they never address the environmental issues. And in fact, they try to sweep them under the rug by claiming that fracking is safe. And the fact of the matter is that under no circumstances is fracking safe. Uh, apart from the earthquakes, you've got these these harmful, toxic chemicals being injected directly into the soil. And if you know you don't understand why that's a problem, I guess you just maybe lack common sense. <laughs> but. Uh, <laughs> You know, the the environment is a big issue, and we talked about this a little bit while the music was playing, but apart from the fact that 97% of scientists in the scientific community agree that climate change is a man-made issue, um, you don't even have to pay attention to the scientific consensus. All you have to do is look at what's happening. Cities all over the country and indeed the world have hit record highs this year. Just recently, San Francisco hit its record high of 106. We had a record high this year here in Denver. <clears throat> all over the country, sta- uh, states and cities are hitting record highs. And, you know, I, I, we don't even necessarily have to get into Harvey and, um, and the elements of climate change that, that played a role in that hurricane. But um, it's just – it's an undisputable fact that's been turned into this, uh, this political issue and it really should tow party lines. Again, like a lot of things, it shouldn't be a bipartisan issue. But it's been made one. Um, you know, the Trump administration has rescinded rules um, from the Clean Air Act limiting mercury, air toxins, things that will directly affect your and everyone else's health. 
water pollution from coal plants. They've rescinded restrictions on that. They've rescinded uh, extensions from the Clean Water Act protecting the water of 117 million Americans. Uh, These are things that if they aren't presently affecting you, they will if they're allowed to continue uh, unchecked. And uh, and it's it's a problem. You know, a lot of people said that there were economic justifications for pulling out of the Paris Climate Accord, but that was a voluntary agreement. And, and everybody from, you know, Elon Musk to other members of the uh, the startup community and, and entrepreneurs all agreed that that was a mistake. And then uh, Trump appoints Sam Clovis as chief scientist for the Department of Agriculture, despite that he's not a scientist. And he was a former conservative radio host. And uh, uh, Trump just appointed the head of NASA to someone who is also not a scientist and uh, and is a staunch Republican, but um, but all of that aside, <clears throat> I think the issue again comes down to money. You know, we've we've had uh, we've had hydrogen and electric and H two O, believe it or not, H two O powered vehicles. We've had all this technology for thirty years, and uh, the oil companies and their lobbyists have played a major role in preventing us from moving forward with a lot of these green, uh, clean energy technologies that we've had for a long time. And uh, I know that you're a very environmentally progressive. Uh, person, so I'd like to hear a little bit more from you pertaining to all of those issues and uh, and what you would like to see change and what you propose to do about a lot of this stuff. Well, to me, a lot of the in, the <clears throat> environmental issues are honestly common sense. Mm. You know, we, like you said, we can look at um, the record highs that have been worldwide. Mm-hmm. That's an easy thing to to see, but even in our own little neighborhoods in our, our own, um, you know, five mile radius from our address. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> if we don't take care of our lawns and, and things like that, you see what happens to them. If you, if you just throw trash out and, and you see what the mess is, yep. we have got, you know, the secondhand smoke mm-hmm. issue. You know, you don't want to, your kids in a room or mm. in a car with somebody that's smoking because secondhand smoke is dangerous. And the lobbyists in the 50s fought that. Yes. Until the information was so ubiquitous that it yes. could no longer be effectively fought because exactly. it was a reality that we had to face. We don't want it in our cars or in our homes, the, the, the cigarette smoke. But we will put toxins, every bit as deadly mm-hmm. as the toxins coming from a cigarette, into our, uh, yes, into our <laughs> environment as a whole yep. and justify that because of money. Yep. Now, y- you don't have to be an economist, thank God, because I'm not, <laughs> to get – if you're looking at profits, mm. does investing in something that is finite, that has an end, is that the route you want to go, or do you want to invest in something that is renewable? Something that's moving forward, something that, that is, uh, is exploding. Green energy is incredibly successful and incredibly uh, profitable right Very. now, even in the United States. Of course, in other countries, they're absolutely destroying it, um, and they've you know, lowered our position on the global stage because of uh, the climate change denial and, and stuff like that that's taking place here. But um, these are industries that are not floundering. They are 
exploding. They are succeeding. They are they are propelling themselves forward at a breakneck pace. They are doing really well. And uh, and like you were saying, it makes a lot more sense to invest in something like that than it does in something that is finite that has a timeline that that that's a that's a ticking clock of how much longer you can do this. It's not going to work forever. And uh, and to quote Bunny Williams, who is actually the person who got me introduced to you and got you on this show. Hi, Bunny. Hi, Bunny. He uh, he said something that that re- really resonated with me. He was like, "When you literally have to crack the mantle of the earth to squeeze out every last bit of oil, you you know that you know that this is not working, and it's time to change things." Mm-hmm. And uh, and when we were when we were off air, you were talking about how all these different types of technologies have become commonplace. Like uh, we didn't have to outlaw the photo mat because yes. we have uh, cameras in our phones. Right. We didn't have to outlaw the printing press in order to, um, you know, kind of upend print news. It's just because we have Google and we have news on our phones now. Things change. You can't prevent technological advancement and denying climate change and and refusing to adapt these new energy forms is is that it is trying to fight technological advancement which is inevitable and they will ultimately lose sooner than later it just it just depends it depends on what we do the problem is how much damage is done before that exactly and when we look at um you know the, the our current energy use in this country the refining of oil and all of that is so incredibly harmful mm. to the people that are expected to work in that industry the coal industries things mm. like that incredibly expensive again it's a finite resource mm-hmm. and america will not be able to compete globally mm. yeah if we do not start taking responsibility for the damage that we're doing, taking responsibility for the fact that we are content mm-hmm. to remain somewhere way back there in the 1800s, yeah. early 1900s, and, well, and we have got to continue to be progressive yep. in our approach to energy, in our approach to being good stewards of this mm-hmm. earth. And in our in our acceptance of technology and the growth that that is providing, we are being left behind. And we don't want to, for all those reasons and more, we don't want to depend on the oil dollar. I mean, look look at Venezuela; their entire no. economy is dependent on uh, on oil as a resource because it's the, it's their main export. And when the oil dollar plummets, they plummet. You know, they're dealing with such massive inflation over there and the the value of their dollar has just plummeted to virtually nothing and it's resulting in starvation it's resulting in uh in political uprising uh you know they've elected a uh a, a lying nationalist uh far right president and um he can barely get a thousand people to show up to his rallies meanwhile people are marching in the millions in the street uh, sounds kind of familiar, doesn't say, it? That sounds it really sound, familiar. It sounds oddly <laughs> familiar, doesn't it? Yeah. And uh, and they're so dependent on a finite resource that is ultimately dying, whether or not we want it to. It is, and it's a reality. It's like you know Trump saying he's going to bring coal back. He's not going to bring coal back. He's not going to. It's he's going to bring not, coal back and the photomat. Yeah, exactly. Just exactly. It's it's not feasible. It's not logical. It's not forward forward thinking. Which this is the twenty first century. Get on board. <laughs> yep. Yep. Get, get on board the electric train. <laughs> yeah, 
Prius. <laughs> Come take a ride with me in my Prius. <laughs> yes, absolutely. All right. So yeah, you're definitely an environmentalist, which uh, which means that not only do you care about everyone's health, but you care about and Colorado Springs. Garden of the Gods, man. Oh, I love it. Oh, there's so many incredible natural sights to be seen in Colorado Springs, all of which would be jeopardized if it weren't for um, open space regulations and protections that keep a lot of those – um, a lot of those marvels of nature from being turned into condos or or oil you know, plants mm-hmm. or chemical plants or whatever else. Exactly. So the environment is important if you want to live in a, in a world that you recognize where you don't have to wear a particle mask to go outside. Mm-hmm. Caring about the environment is important, people. I mean, look at China. China, China is now way ahead of us because they had to because they waited too long. And, uh, and if you see the pictures, it's, it's just clouds of pollution before they um, implemented their regulations. And we were the same way in the 1970s before Richard Nixon implemented the Clean Air Act. We had the same problem. This is reality, people. Exactly. All right. Oh, yeah. Yep. Which uh, brings us to – I mean it doesn't really bring us to it. But your uh, your last issue that you had listed on your website um, is immigration. Yes. So how about we talk a little bit about that because I know that's an issue on the forefront of a lot of folks' mind right now. It really is. And we've got – I don't know. We, we've got so much misinformation out there yep. on, on immigration. Um, I know you were mentioning some of the statistics, but <clears throat> minus the numbers, the facts are that Americans commit more American crime mm-hmm. than – any immigrant, you're more likely to be. What did you say? Struck by you're, lightning uh, than killed by a. You're seven times Muslim. More, you're seven times more likely to be killed by a white supremacist than oh, a Muslim. There we go. Uh, immigrants are significantly less likely to be incarcerated than native citizens, and uh, immigration apprehensions, despite that they've been propelled to the the forefront of our political issues, they the apprehensions of of immigrant criminals have actually plummeted since the year 2000, and uh, and have not even come close to ascending to where they used to be. But we're talking about it like it's just completely crippling our society. And the fact of the matter is that it's not. It's not. Uh, According to a 550-page economic report, 550-page economic report assembled by the National Academics of Sciences, Engineering, and Medicine, immigrants have had no measurable effect on the employability or employment rate of native citizens. This is a media-driven narrative, people. That's all it is. Um, which isn't to say that you know it's not something that's happening, that there aren't immigrants coming to the country illegally. Um, I've talked about this before on my show. I've talked about how a lot of them are fleeing cartel violence and gang yes. violence, which um, you know there's there's uh, a little bit of evidence suggesting that a lot of the cartels down there have um, have had backing by the CIA. CIA, but that's for a that's for another show <laughs> entirely. Um, <clears throat> well, and you know, listening to that. Um, that statistic and the impact of um, undocumented immigrants and employment here. Mm-hmm. First of all, our undocumented folks coming here and getting jobs aren't coming here getting jobs as doctors, lawyers, mm-hmm. talk show hosts. <laughs> they are coming to assist most of the time in our in our agricultural yep. industries. Now, if we really seriously want to address that issue, we need to start addressing illegal 
employment. Mm -hmm. If we start holding businesses responsible for illegally hiring Mm -hmm. undocumented employees, we could make a huge dent. Oh, totally. In in the small issue that yep. it is, without having to build some ridiculous wall. Has yeah. Donald Trump never heard of a tunnel or a ladder? <laughs> I'm just asking. Or an airplane. Or an airplane. <laughs> you but, know, we, they got most of the cocaine over here in the 80s with single-engine Cessnas. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But, you know, if, if we start really addressing the, the illegal hiring practices, mm. we could make a dent in that. Yep. And this is, you know, an, an idea that I'm still very much in the brainstorming and, and research phase of. But our agricultural industry needs that assistance. Mm-hmm. Um, we will have cantaloupe rotting in fields, yeah. and we can't have that either. Yeah. So, you know, is there a way to allow immigrants to come to work mm-hmm. for our farmers? For you know more temporary type employment, yeah. well, you could give you could give those people citizenship, which is the exact opposite of what Trump is trying to do right now. He's trying to take the citizenship away from children, yeah, children that were born here or that or that immigrated here at a very young age. He's trying to strip them of their citizenship, yes, and right, sending right them now. back to a country where they don't have yeah. it's not their home. They don't speak yeah. the language, possibly. And, and what you were saying, what you were saying about de incentivizing illegal immigration by more regulation of the hiring process makes a lot of sense because then you wouldn't have to do a lot of the dicey, um, morally ambiguous things that we're, th- we're talking about doing, like right. racially profiling people to, to, to ask them for their papers, like we're like, like, oh, like our gosh. friggin' immigration officers are the Schutzstaffel. Yes. Like they're down there, you know, checking people's papers and shit. You wouldn't even have to do any of that no. if you were just paying more attention to the hiring process exactly. and de-incentivizing people coming here for those jobs in the first place. But again, it's such a, I mean, it's such a minute issue on, in the grand scale. And, uh, and a lot of those agricultural jobs are jobs that domestic citizens don't want. But even if you de-incentivized the illegal immigration entirely, that would open up those jobs for people here if they wanted to take them. So it seems like a no-brainer. It really yeah, does. It, I mean, and it's, an, it's a simple, um, effective way to address the issue. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if I came to Colorado for a job and couldn't get a job, <laughs> I probably wouldn't stay. You wouldn't stay here. <laughs> I probably wouldn't stay. Yeah. I, I mean, so... If what we're hearing is is we do have a lot of undocumented, unauthorized immigrants coming looking for work, looking for that American dream, mm-hmm. and I for one want to encourage that all yeah. of us are immigrants. Every yeah. single one of us are descendants of immigrants. Yep. So, um, but if, if in order to be able to address that issue and have better oversight. Mm-hmm. Addressing the illegal employment practices of American businesses would be the way to start. Makes a lot of sense. Thank makes you. a lot of sense to me. And you know, it's uh, immigration is is a part of what makes America great. Give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses yearning to be to breathe free, the wretched mm-hmm. refuse of your teeming shore. I lift yep. my I lift my my lamp at the golden door. I I, I paraphrasing there. <laughs> <laughs> I you, think you, you got get, it pretty close. You get the gist. Yes. <laughs> All right. So I think we covered a lot of the major issues. We got to talk a little bit about 
you and uh, and your background, and uh, and I think it's a it's a very respectable background, and uh, and it kind of follows that that old uh, chestnut, that old adage that we need more people who actually represent us in in politics. We need right. more people who are of the people, not just representing us or misrepresenting us in in a lot of cases. And uh, and yeah, I think you're a great fit, and I and I wish you the best of luck. On your uh, on your campaign trail, thank you. And uh, yeah, and I'll I'll turn it over to you. Anything else you want to uh, say to our listeners? You go right ahead. Thank you. Well, mm-hmm. first of all, thank you for um, having me um, on your show this evening. Thank, thank you again, Bunny, for introducing us. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for coming on. It's been a pleasure to have you. And this is really you know a, a unique experience for me because I'm looking over your shoulder there, mm-hmm. and I can see. You know, people from all over the world yep. listening to this show. Yep. So I'm, I'm going to put this out there because I think it would just be really awesome. Please visit my website. It's BettyFieldListens.com. And there's a little button in there after you're done reading all about me and looking at the pictures <laughs> and things. There's a little button there that says Donate. It would be so awesome to have somebody, you know, kick in a couple of bucks to the campaign from another country. That mm-hmm. would be just amazing. Um, but... Again, if you have questions for me, you want to know more about my um, platform stances, you want to have a cup of coffee, um, shoot me an email. It's a real simple one, very similar to my website. It's BettyFieldListens at gmail.com. I answer my own emails. <laughs> so if you get a response from me at 3 o'clock in the morning, that's because I really do answer my own emails. And <laughs> that's, that's when I get a lot of that kind of work done. devote a whole day to just that. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, if, if you take away um, one thing um, from our conversation this evening, you know, I'm not a politician. I'm a regular person. Mm-hmm. It's time to send Someone to represent us in Washington Mm -hmm. that knows what it means to be us. Not the billionaires, not the career politicians, not the not the Mm -mm. the uh, the obscenely wealthy businessmen and women, uh, the people. Yes. The people who are in the thick of it, the people who have been there. You were a part of the two point nine million woman march. You were there in DC. You yes, were in I the was. middle of it. Mm-hmm. Yep. You uh, you are of the people for sure. <laughs> and I have a lot of things that I am proud of, but you know, I don't I don't sport a lot of fancy titles. <laughs> oh, you know, there's no alphabet suit behind my name. The the title I am most proud of is mom. Nice. And I would be equally as proud to um, to represent you wearing the title of Congresswoman. Fantastic. Thank you so much for coming on, Betty. It's Thank been you. a pleasure talking to you about uh, about all of these pressing issues. And again, I wish you the best of luck on your campaign trail. Thank you. All right. You're tuned into the Joe Man Show here on KUHS Denver. You want to uh, donate to Betty Field's campaign or get in touch with her and talk with her yourself, you can find her website, BettyFieldListens.com, or you can shoot her an email at BettyFieldListens at gmail.com. All right. Uh, we are coming to the turn of our hour. The rest of the show, we're going to be playing some music. So just kick back, relax, and enjoy the tunes. And thank you for tuning in to the Joe Man Show here on KUHS Denver. Everybody have a great night.